Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. And we're live and it brings me great pleasure to introduce my guest today, Stuart Mannion. How are you, Stu? Good, Ian. Yourself? Really good, mate. Um, for anyone who uh, is a friend of Stu, they would know that he posts regularly from down the beach, lives near the beach, making us all jealous. But it's often in the early hours of the morning with sunsets. And I was really taken by the memory you shared this morning from an old sunset. And it was like that that red, what you said was a dragon. But when I looked at it, I just saw your logo. And it was like, yeah. how cool is that, that your logo is now just appearing in the sky? So tell us a little bit about the logo and the significance of that for you. Okay. So the reason... Um, if anyone knows Harry Potter and at any, any depth at all, um, there's a Phoenix and in the movies and in the book, his name is Forks, hence Forks Financial Services. Now, the reason for the Phoenix is that the Phoenix rises from the ashes and is reborn in fire. And my view of my past, um, breaking up from a business relationship, working um, with someone that, you know, there was a not necessarily an amicable ending. Um, and it just dawned on me that that just seemed an appropriate um, way to look at it. But I also look at it from a different aspect. No matter where you are in your being in financial advice, um no matter where you are, no matter where you are, your financial situation can be reborn, and and become so much more than it was, and that's part of what I see. My role is is to help people and guide people to achieve their their goals through um, financial planning and and advice. I love that. No matter where you're up to on the financial journey, you can still rise from there, and I think uh, that's a really powerful statement. I'm, I'm sure many last year went through some financial challenges, um, not everyone, but having that thought process around it, no matter where you're at, there's always an opportunity then to keep moving forward. I love that. So, yep. yeah. So one of those areas where you've had to rise, and this is something that, that uh, we both share, is that losing our dads, and that's something that happened more recently for you. So rather than because we've talked about it a bit, rather than us going through maybe diving into any of the the pain you went through, mm. let's look at it this way. What did you learn about yourself having to go through that really difficult, challenging, emotionally draining 
circumstance? What did you learn? Yeah, about you. Uh, I guess the key thing that I learned um, was being prepared. There's no time like the present. Like this wasn't a, a shock. There was an expectation, um, and I sat down when when things started to unfold, um, and we were we were looking at the the end game for Dad, and I said to I sort of said to him I said Hey, how about we start to get things organised now? Now, if we organise them and it doesn't happen in a year's time or two years time, we can just put you know, the organisation for your funeral and so forth um, in a um, in the drawer and we don't need to worry, we don't need to worry about it. But if we don't do anything about it and, you know, you, you pass away, then we're just guessing what you want. And part of helping with that organisation and, and, and organising um, and getting Dad involved with it um, allowed... I guess me to come to terms with that we are in that end game. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, you know, when it was dad's final day, um, we were, um, I was actually doing water safety for an ocean swim for the surf club that I'm, I'm involved with and, um, uh, work on the rescue boats, make sure everyone's okay. All of a sudden I see Judas car coming down, down to the beach and, um, you know, knowing that the road was blocked off because of the event, uh, I knew this was fairly serious. Um, and I had the um, um, the ability, not the ability, but I was, I was honoured by the fact that I had this opportunity to talk with Dad up until a couple of days before he passed. And the Tuesday before he passed on the Saturday, um, you know, we had a two, three-hour coherent conversation, which lots of family members never get to have that that ability. And, um, you know, it was a lot of conversation. There was also an expectation that we'd have another conversation, but it still was was that ability. So many people, you know, their, their father's, or mothers or parents pass into it, you know, and, and it's it's just waiting for that to happen, and they just don't get that that conversation and that that, that closure. Um, and on the Saturday, he was um, a shadow, and before he left, before we left, because we we were with him that afternoon, um, I just kissed him on the forehead and just said, "It's time to go." Yeah. It's funny when you were talking about that day, I got taken straight back to the day um, with my dad and um, they're conversations I didn't get to have. And so I guess the lesson is for people is what you said, like there's no time like the present. Like we have a choice at every moment to be able to, seize those opportunities and have those conversations and and it may have to some people have seen like oh you're you're organizing all that but what a gift to give your dad to be able to be involved in something that was very much about him like i think anyone who's sat at a funeral and 
heard amazing things about people and gone, man, wouldn't it be great that they were here to hear this? Well, this is another thing too. The the ability for friends and family, and I had, you know, uh, mates I grew up with, and they said, look, I'm not going to be able to come to both. I can't say come and catch up with your dad and come to the funeral. I've got one or the other. So a lot of people didn't come to the funeral, but they actually caught up with dad and got to thank him or, you know, whatever they wanted. They got they got to have closure. And, um, yeah, that was that was great. There was that, that ability for people to talk to dad and not just be there for the, for the after as much as it was, you know, it would have been great for them to be there for the, the funeral and the wake. It was great for both dad and them to have that, to be able to have those conversations. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, um, you know, Judas father passed away, um, well, a fair few years ago, and um, she was really reluctant to go and see him before he started to significantly decline because he had um, a form of dementia. And I, I said to her, I, I said to Judith, I said, look, I think if you don't go, you're going to regret this for the rest of your life. And she goes, oh, no, I don't want to. I don't. Okay, look, I really, really believe you need to love it or hate it. You know, you're going to have ability to catch up with other family aside from that, but you can have these conversations that you may never, ever get to have with your dad again. You, as much as family, we're great at coming together at times. We're great at tearing each other apart at times. Um, you know, we have we will have disagreements. I've had disagreements with my brother um, and my dad, but we always, in the end, come back together. You know, you don't leave conversations unfinished. And you know, so many people live with regrets they didn't get those those final words. Yeah, um, really powerful and amazing that that your dad got to connect with so many people and they got to connect with him. That's just such a blessing. And I think that probably happens for a lot of people who get start getting sick and and it's a longer term illness that perhaps they're, they're pretty clear they won't get better from is that a lot of people do tend to gather around. I think that's really, uh, really incredible. And it's funny, you were talking about your, um, your wife going to see dad with dementia and i remember going to take um our oldest to to see my grandma who was in her 90s in a in a place with she had dementia but across a room from 50 meters she just cracked eyes on me and headed straight over she didn't know why she didn't know who i was but she knew that i was someone in her life and and i'm sure the experience oh, well i don't know what the experience for jude is but but there would have been a connection because they oh, can't, yeah. they can't not be right. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, it, it was interesting because Jude sat down with him for an hour and just said, oh, "We just had the same conversation four times." And I said, "But it doesn't matter." Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and he came and we introduced him to. At the time, you know, Charlotte was two, um, but he didn't had no he had a vague recollection of who I as I was but had no comprehension of, of, of Charlotte, my oldest. 
you know, um, but it, it wasn't about me and it wasn't about Charlotte. It was about Judith having that connection with her dad, yeah. even though they'd been estranged for years and there was a lot of angst and, and that, but it just gave her that ability to have that closure. Yeah, beautiful. And you're probably playing a more important role, the two of you there for Judith and then perhaps you realise at the time and maybe even realise now because when we – when we're in those sorts of situations, sometimes just having people there and even thinking about like even if the conversation was the same, it's just an opportunity for for people to be heard, which is is something that is a very underutilized skill, I think, and and what we all need to do more of. So really powerful, mate. So so since having gone through all that, what what have you that obviously gave you a lot of peace from being able to have those conversations with your dad and such a blessing for both of you. What have you learned since then about life that, that you're now making sure you're taking forward into your life? Well, it's really um, about um, valuing your time with those people you care about, um, making sure that when you have an argument that the argument doesn't just um, devolve into um, an ongoing um, grudge match. You know, we can't always, especially those are the closest, you know, yes, we're going to have arguments and yes, we're going to, um, you know, have difference of opinion and we're going to get upset at each other. But, you know, to deal, deal with that and move on and then enjoy because you know, carrying angst and anger, the ramifications of all that, you know, from a health perspective, it just doesn't it doesn't do anybody any help. I mean, what's it? Is it well, I, the quote of being angry at someone else and wishing ill at someone else is like drinking poison and wishing that they will fall ill? Yeah. And you know, learning that you know, there are times in personal and business relationships where you'll get to a point, you know, hopefully you, 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 know, you can have a commonality and continue with wonderful relationships with your, your family, but if it gets to a point where it's beyond that, sometimes you've just got to cut them, cut them free. Um, and especially in business, um, if there's people who aren't, um, who aren't, there to help. Now, I know business is is very different to, to, to family life, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to deal with people who don't want to be positive and see that you do better. Yeah. So that's a great lead into what you do in your business because you do bring a lot of those values that in your personal life to your business, which is, to me, the key differentiator to what you do and you talked about time because I know that's something that and it's I'm sure it's in your bio as well is like how you give your clients peace of mind to be able to go and focus on what's most important so I love that how you live is how you also that's how you serve as well so so tell me about your values for business well for life and how you bring them to your business and, yeah, how, how you do create those relationships with the people that you serve. Well, 
life life is about um you know experiences and and helping people build their wealth is not necessarily about the wealth itself but it's about the opportunities that they provide yeah yeah providing that you can sleep at night you know that things are, are on track towards retirement um that you're going to achieve those 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 goals that you're looking at and being having the education and someone by your side who demystifies the the fears of the the investments that you've got um you know i believe in uh honesty and transparency um i believe in um things being clear cut so that people know um what the costs are going to be um i believe that um you know the education of clients ultimately assists them not to make rash decisions be that they make rash decisions in their life but in their financial situation so you know we've just been through a once in a lifetime or go, still going through a once in a lifetime situation with the pandemic and you know 11 years before or you know 13 years before we had the global financial crisis and understanding um, for clients that when we go through these things, we don't panic, light our hair on fire and throw everything out the windows, but we actually yeah. sit back, understand what we've invested in and how that potential devaluation is nothing to do with the actual value that's the value of the assets that they own. Yeah, you, um, you use that coffee cup analogy. So maybe yeah. uh, share that one because I think that's a really simple <laughs> but powerful way of explaining the situation. I'll, I'll grab my coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> so I explain it to clients because clients have um, uh, you, you say you own a share and they go, well, what's a share? But does that mean I can walk into a bank branch and grab a, 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 a chair out of it and that's my ownership of the company? I go, well, what's that's a really, really simplistic way of looking at it, but it's part of a whole. But I'll say this coffee cup represents your um, your share, and every six months it fills up with coffee. Now, you can either drink the coffee as a, as a dividend or you can reinvest it and buy more investments. Now, if you buy it for $10 and then six months later you find it's worth $7.50, are you going to sell it? And most clients say, well, no, I'm not going to sell it because I understand it's for the long term. Okay, all right. You find out 18 months later it's worth $12.50, you're going to sell it. Well, no, I'm not going to sell it. Now, that conversation, as simple as it sounds, has actually made a huge difference to clients. So during the, the recent, um, the past 15 months with the markets dropping, um, clients have had the peace of mind to understand that, A, we're not buying a, a you know a $1.50 coffee cup that's going to shatter at the first thing. We're buying a quality product. Right, and you've got a number of those, and yes, they're devalued. But the key is that we we stay to our plan. But our plan's not for eighteen months. Our plan is depending on the client's situation, and that coffee cup may vary. So it might be shares, it might be fixed interest, depending on. And it's, it, I'll get to that and get that get that in in a minute. But it really depends on what the client needs to achieve. And what length of time? And it's always interesting when clients come to me and they go, I've got $10,000 to invest. What am I going to invest into? And it's like, how long is a piece of string? 
<laughs> for what purpose? For what purpose? What do you what do you want to invest for? And it's also explaining to them that when we invest, you're going to get a return. But I can't guarantee a return because I don't have, I don't control, I don't have a magic wand to control what the economy is going to do. If I did, well, yeah, I probably wouldn't be working. (laughs) (laughs) But getting clients to understand and demystify you know, because, I mean, there's all this perception of oh, the stock market's a casino, it's gambling. Well, there is risk involved, but there's risk involved in everything we do. Hmm. Now, there's risk involved in getting out of bed in the morning or going to work. Jumping there's risk in the involved car. jumping in the car. Yeah. Yeah, having children. <laughs> yeah, that's a risk. Yeah. <laughs> that's a highly yeah. volatile risk. <laughs> highly volatile risk. It's very, very expensive. $450,000 per child from zero yeah, well. to 21. Oh, don't tell me that. So the um, it feels like way more. the The thing I know yes. about humans is that there may be ups and downs, but there's a desire for growth. We all have this desire to growth, and we all have a desire to give. It's within us, and so you can say you look back and say, "Well, history says that it's always going to do this." To me, the most important thing is like history says that human behavior, we're all at, we're, we are always, despite our shortfalls and uh, challenges and, and setbacks, we're always looking for expansion and nature, that's just nature. We're, we're the yeah. only ones who slow down the natural process. Every other part of nature is always looking to grow in the simplest way possible. Find food, rest, we just overcomplicate the matter. So, so what you're saying is that you actually – a, a part of people's life, you're actually simplifying it and removing the jargon and the complexities and just bringing it down to, to the simplicity of coffee cups. Yeah, absolutely. And allowing clients um, the ability to be able to pick up the phone and, and, and talk to someone, ability to distill what's out there, all the white noise and everything and distill it down to, okay, well, this is, these are the key things that, that is affecting what's going on. And part of my role is is it's about the relationship. It's about it's a, it's about the trust. Um, it's about making sure that the clients can walk away from a meeting and they understand what it's all about. They understand. Okay, they they may not understand the nitty gritty of why we've chosen particular investments and so forth, but they understand that ultimately the 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 plan is to get them from point A to point B and anything in between is is just a number. Yeah. And I love how you included that because, like, that's what I know of you. It's about that building that trust. It's about building that relationship to the point where you were probably doing that, like, overly at one point, driving long kilometres to to make sure you kept up those face-to-face conversations with your clients because that's how much you cared. And you were saying last year – to have so many of them shift over to Zoom has been such a blessing for you and your time, which I know is so important to you with your family. Yeah, and and I still go and see them. Um, instead of being twice a year, I'll make go and see them um, once a year or once every eighteen months, um, because there's I still there's that connection with physically being with people. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I. I um, was exceptionally reluctant. We had been talking in our prior to um, 
the pandemic. We'd been talking for two years prior about using Zoom. Yeah. Um, the biggest block wasn't the clients. The biggest block was me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, they're not going to like this. This isn't going to work, da 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 And now, you know, majority of my clients, yeah, look, no dramas. I've got clients like up in the Blue Mountains and from here on the central coast of the Blue Mountains is, you know, depending on the time of the day, anywhere between three to four hours. So I to go and physically see those clients would be anywhere between a eight to nine hour turnaround. And I generally see them in the evening, so I'd leave here hitting peak hour traffic at two, two o'clock for a six o'clock appointment and get home at 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Yeah. That's and that's, that's right. Well, it, it is. Absolutely. I mean, and yeah, you've got to, you've got to um, match the time you're putting in because I mean, that's, that's another thing too. And it's something the the sooner you learn it, the, the more efficient and some of us are slow to learn like myself that, you know, times, we all have time, no matter how rich or poor you are, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. We all have, a, you know, the same 365 days days a year or in a quarter if you want to include leap years. Um, but the... Such a, uh, such a numbers person. <laughs> <laughs> um but the, the thing is that, you know, it's how we use our time. We can't bank it. We can't save it, but we're, we very easily waste it. Yeah. Um, you know, and the introduction of social media, which you can't pan too much because we're on it right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that they, has the ability of absorbing um, a lot of our, our time and it's about being efficient with, with your time um, because, if you can reduce your distractions and, and increase your productivity, and I'm not all about, I mean, I'm a big proponent of there has to be a work-life balance. You have to, there are different elements through coaching with yourself and varying different other courses and, and things I've been through, you know, balance of life you know you get these motivational motivational videos of you know you've got to grind and grind and grind and grind but the problem is so many people go i will fix everything after i've got to where i want to go yeah exactly and what they don't realize is that if you take 15 years to build a business to be a multi-million dollar and become a millionaire and during that time you've had kids by the time you turn around to actually spend time with them, because you spent zero time before, they just look at you and go, give me money, I don't care. <laughs> exactly. I'm going out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going out. Who are you? Yeah. And, you know, work is always going to be there. We all need to work. We all need to make a living. But as a small business person, if you don't remember why you are building the business and take time to build, to not only build the business, but take time to spend with your family. You know, my connection with my my kids. You know, I, I, I'm lucky, but I believe luck is created by the opportunities that you you provide yourself. And opportunities come from from you know the work that you do, um, or the connections that you have. And also your mindset. You know, if you believe 
that you're um, that everything's going to go wrong. And I'm not going to say it doesn't matter. You're the most positive person in the world. Everyone's going to have those times. But if 90% of the time you believe everything's going to go wrong, then you're going to seek those failures to happen. And look, I've been through a, um, you know, it hasn't been a, a, a clear takeoff like this. I've been through ups and downs like everybody else. Many, you know, we've had many conversations, long hours. You've heard you drone on, and, you know. <laughs> My well, we'll come to those. We'll come to some of those in a minute. Keep going. <laughs> but you know, taking that, um, you know, going down to the like going down the beach and taking the photos and 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 posting that on Facebook. But you know, spending time with my my girls. You know, they're not going to be this age forever. You know, and if you don't take that time, and you know, if you're not in a bit, if you're working for someone and that someone doesn't understand that family is important. Go and find another job in the industry for someone who understands that family is important. Yeah, hundred percent. I think. Yeah. Go yep, sorry, go on. I was going to say you 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 hit the nail on the head when you talked about if you're in a, if you have a small business owner, is remembering why you got into it in the first place because so many end up working longer hours than they ever worked in a job, and yep. they're not actually getting the time freedom, the opportunity freedom, the decision freedom because they've got the focus in the wrong place. I'll just do all of this and then all this will come. So I love how you describe that is you're actually prioritising all of those things now. You're prioritising your family stuff now and the rest of it will take care of itself, right? Really powerful. Well, it, it is really is a, um, a ability to um, – it's, again, it's that time situation. You can't get back that time with your four-year-old or your eight-year-old or your twelve-year-old. Um, and the you know, if you don't sit and spend some time, and, and and I don't mean you know with them with a device and you with a device sitting in the same room. I'm actually talking about you know I, when I go down go, go down to the beach with my girls. Um, you know, we sit there and we, we have a conversation. We watch them, you know, we're now getting into whale season. So we'll, you know, we'll potentially see whales migrating up the coast. Awesome. You know, it's something I'm, I'm looking forward to. But it's like, it's those conversations and it's that physical connection that you get. And it's not just with my girls, it's, it's, with, it's with Jude, my wife. Um, you know, we've been through the ups and downs and, and if we don't have that connection, it you know, it then leads to all, all the outcome. Because if you don't take care of the family um, or take care of yourself, even if you're single, if you don't take care of yourself and, and you, you, your connections, you know, the, it will translate into your business. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, your your bio I loved and you talked about all of those things that you, the jobs that you held all over the world. Tell me about uh, Camp Counselor in the USA. Was it just like the movies? <laughs> <laughs> Some of it was, but a lot of it, you know, I mean, look, I, I, I was pretty lucky. Um, I got introduced to a camp. Um, I ended up doing three seasons there and was seriously contemplating a fourth. Um, I got 
in connection with a, a great group of guys who I'm still connected to today. We actually had a reunion um, sort of August last year, not last year, the year before. Um, and, um, yeah, it was, you know, I got, you know, mates from around the world from it. Um, it's the pay is completely, you're not going there for the pay. No. Trust me. <laughs> Nine weeks for $850. Woohoo! <laughs> you're going there for the experience. You're going there for the, um, the, uh, the ability, the connection with the, the kids. You're going there to, um, to meet and learn and extol your experience. Yeah, I, I went there um, and taught swimming. I went and then talked to the director and said, well, I actually am involved, have been involved with scouting. So, yeah, the next year I was assistant head of waterfront, so I was still teaching kids and looking after that, and I was also helping in the ropes course in the outdoor. And in my final year, I went into the expedition, so I was taking kids all over um, the north, northeastern United States, you know, Mount Washington up to, um, well, the highest mountain on the, on the, um, the eastern seaboard. Um, you know, take them whitewater rafting, canoeing, camping, all over the state of Maine and, yeah. yeah. So good. So you talked about, you mentioned there about you've been involved in the scouting and, and it reminds me of a story you told me where you you won an award, you put so much into it and yep. then it came to a pretty powerful realisation at the end of it. So are you are you happy to share that with us, Stu? Yeah, yeah. So one of the highest awards in, in scouting when you're in Ventures, which is, is a section of scouting, which is between 14 and 18, is the Queen Scout Award. Now, that's presented to you by the New South Wales or the, the state governor, so New South Wales governor. Um, and it's it, it's a significant award. It, it, it's something that you've got to put a lot of time and a lot of effort and there's, you know, there's a series of badges you need to achieve to, to achieve that. It needs to go and be put in front of a, a board for approval um, it needs to be signed off by varying levels of, of um, the leadership. Um, and when I achieve that, you know, I drive, drive, drive to achieve it. And then I was awarded it and there was a huge lunch to celebrate. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, um, why? Like I didn't feel that I deserved it. Then I realised that I hadn't done it for myself. I'd done it to... Um, to attract attention of my parents because I felt that I needed constantly achieve to have their attention. And that was never the, never, never the case. My parents loved me either way, but just a perception from a very early age because there was a lot of time and effort because of my younger brother. And my younger brother is, he's gone and done his Queen Scout and he's very capable, um, you know, tradesman. He's taken a different path to myself. Um, but, at the time, I felt that I had to constantly achieve at the highest level to gain approval. Mm. And, and that realisation then left me empty, even though there was everyone around me celebrating my achievement, I'm sitting there going, I'm 
wasn't happy. It was probably one of the most depressing days of my life, even though it's one of the high, highest achievements you can achieve in um, in scouting. Yeah, wow. That's really powerful awareness at that age because most of us keep going on, well, no, that was me for sure, like the same pattern of how I tried to get attention or get my parents' love, and that continued for many years. So you you have that realisation at that age. How did, did – were you able to change how you operated and how you saw life at that point? I I – to a point, I was a little bit lost for a while. Um, you know, I was eighteen. Um, you know, I was you know finishing um, school. You know, HSC, all this. You know, everything was sort of going all, on all at once. And you know, with this realization, was well, where to from here? You know, where where am I? Where am I going to go? What? What future am I going to look for? What career am I going going to to take? Now I had always had an interest, in not only being involved in scouting, but I also was involved in army cadets. So you did cadets throughout through the high school, um, and I potentially wanted to pursue a career in in um, the defence forces, but because of varying different reasons. Um, I was knocked back, and I applied four di- four different times, and was was knocked back, and came to the conclusion, even though that was a passion of mine, my destiny is not to follow that. So, apart from that realization of achieving an award for someone else, not for someone else's approval, and and not for myself, and then you know what I believe was my passion at the time being sort of taken away from me, left me in a a lost situation for a period of time of where am I going to go? Um, and it took me a number of years to sort of find my path. Um, was was that the time where you went travelling? Is that like were you travelling? No, to, no, no, no. I didn't start travelling till I was twenty two, so I had four years. So I went and um, you know we were coming out of. In '92, so we were four years out of the recession that we had to have. Um, you know, it was a real concern of you know unemployment was um, reasonably high. Concern about getting jobs, even though I'd been working um, part-time jobs since I was 14. Um, and I ended up getting a traineeship with the federal government because I went and did one of their federal government exams. Did that for a period of time, and then ended up driving getting out of that because I realised that I didn't fit within the culture of um, the uh, public service. There are, you know, a lot of very good people in the public service, but it's just not my kettle of fish. Um, And um, moved into the private sector and drove trucks for um, Smith's Chips. Really? Outrageous. I remember reading that on the – oh, no, you did say truck drive, didn't you? Well, that must have been an experience in, in itself. That yeah, must driving, have been, Sydney, um, driving a twelve-ton truck in Sydney during peak hours fun. <laughs> oh, you learn plenty about traffic behaviour, don't you? But you must also learn a lot about people in the in the different contact that you came where you're dropping things off and and all all yeah, other was, parts of that. Well, I was I was, I w- I was driving a, what was called a route truck. So we used to pack and we used to do deliveries to. Um, to small businesses and to, you know, uh, small to medium-sized businesses, pubs and, and so forth. Um, 
and it was my first introduction into a sort of semi-sales role. Um, so I did that for a period of time and then transferred across to the supermarket area, which is you're a, a rep. We don't personally deliver the, 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 the chips, but the, I met a wide variety of different people. Um, and I was still myself sort of going, is this what I want to end up doing for the rest of my life? And understanding, um, being somewhat young and, and very naive about how this all works and sales quotas and da da da, da um, you know, and dealing with um, different people, different attitudes, um, you know, some of the older guys, um, and the, they'd been through, because Smith Snack Food had been, originally an Australian company and had been bought by Coca-Cola Amatol and been bought by someone else and it was bought by someone else. And there was this changeover when we were, um, while I was there, and they were being taken over by a company called United Biscuits, which is a British company. It's now owned by uh, the largest snack food company in the world, which is Frutilay, which is part of PepsiCo. Yeah, right. Um so yeah, so you're going through all these changes of culture and and yeah yeah, and and the area I was looking after had all the executives in it because it was the the North Shore and the Northern Beaches because the head office was at um, at uh, uh, Chatswood. Yeah, wow. So I want to come back to the the business journey. Yeah, but something that's come to me now is you. Behind you, right? The, uh, yep. the superheroes. Tell me about the the fascination around superheroes, and and actually, again, what is what is the learning from from those stories that you've been able to apply to to your life? Well, I mean, superheroes, and I mean, I guess the the, the two behind us are probably perfect example. You know, the awkward. The awkward teenager who gets who gets superpowers from being bitten, and then having to navigate himself through um, the the genesis of learning his skills and how he's going to apply that. And then you've got the other side, which is um, you know Tony Stark, the billionaire, who's a mortal man, but you know who who lives this extravagant life which is all about him, and then he has this life-changing event where he, he changes from it being just about him and his pleasures um, to actually serving others. Mm-hmm. And, it, and they're two different stories. Now, people are, oh, they're just superheroes, but they're, the genesis of both, both characters, you know, the awkwardness of the teenager getting his head around all the stuff, and that's something we all go through. Now, we don't obviously get bitten by a radioactive spider and turn into <laughs> someone with, you know, or we, we don't aren't raised as a multi-billionaire's son and inherit a, an arms, you know, a world-leading arms factory. But the concept of them, they're both having these life-changing events and how they deal with it and how they come to serve people. Now, to these two, you've then got your villains, you know, you've got the villains that have gained these powers um, and take them for themselves. And unfortunately, in this day and age, 
the two examples we've got here is we've got you know we've got Peter Parker comes from a, a lower income, you know, he could have taken that and had a a time of crime, you know, but he took it to do good things, and you know, with great power comes great responsibility is the is in the quote that's used through multiple of the movies, um, that the ability to take our skills and help people. And unfortunately, not everyone looks to help people. They look to ingratiate themselves. And unfortunately, in some, not all of our corporate culture, it's a cutthroat environment where I will, I, I will take my skills and destroy others to get to the next step. Yeah. And I was having this conversation with someone the other day and I was saying, well, for me, is it too strong a language to say I had to sell my soul if I wanted to progress past a certain level? And she said, oh, no, that's, that's what it's like. You, 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 it's to get past a certain ceiling in corporate, in most corporate businesses, it does feel like you have to sacrifice values and, and um, ethics to, to be able to get somewhere. And it often is. It's, a, it's a moving other people out of the way to, to get where you need to get because it, it, it only comes up to a point. There's only so many opportunities. So what's your superhero, superhero, superpower, and how do you use that to help people? Um, my superpower is education. My talking to people in terms they understand. And one of two things I say to people is when I first meet them A, no matter how simple the question is, ask it because if you don't, then you, it could premise that an entire meeting is lost and both of our time is lost. Yeah. And I'm here to educate and demystify. But, you know, the, the, and I say to people, look, if I use a word that you don't understand, it can mean the difference between me sitting here for 45 minutes expecting that you understand and you sit here and nod and you nod and you nod. I walk away thinking, great, you understand. And a husband and wife example, look at each other and go, I don't understand any of that because I missed that word. So it's more than just the education. It's it's being able to take people through somewhere where you demystify from a place of zero judgment of giving them that opportunity to say, I don't get it because I know in, in particularly in the financial space that there are a lot of people out there that will use big words and they'll rush through different conversations. But the people I've met who have, who I've been most drawn to are the ones like yourself who slow it down, who make it really clear. It's clear that you're building trust because they're not trying to uh, bamboozle people with, with different language and, and um, make it confusing to the point where, Oh, I guess I better just trust this person Instead, you actually do it from a place of yeah, really caring and and helping. Is that is that fair? Well, yes, yeah, I do. I, it is, but it's a connection too. Um, you know, I talk to as well. Oh, yeah, I've got to get every client. You know, and so yeah, but it's no, you don't get every client because not every client's going to have that connection with you. And I say to clients as well in the in the initial meeting, um, look, this is a job interview. I, I need I, you need to interview me and go. We're comfortable to work with you. 
I need to interview you and go, do I want to work with these people for the next 20 years? Love it. Because my, my role is, is a relationship. It is about taking clients on a journey. It's not about a wham, bam, thank you, man, that's it. Just sign here and it's all good and da-da-da-da and you're going to make millions of dollars and da-da-da, but I'm going to be gone in five minutes because I've got my hit. Yeah. And I and and I've through my career I've met guys who are in the apex of that and you know they're heralded as the heroes and and that they do this but at the same time I've then met the equivalent person who's at the tail end of their career who now regrets that they didn't care about the client. There's no zero care about the client. It was just about that hit of endorphins of winning and winning at all costs. Yeah. I love how this is all linked, right, because you talked about that story of trying to impress your parents, and I, and I really believe that that's the same for people who are driven by the dollar and by making that more important than their clients. It's the same thing. It's not because they're necessarily bad people. It's still this pattern of behavior of, of trying to impress someone or trying to be enough for someone and so well, be enough for themselves to find that you know uh, there are people who who and i'm not like i i have nothing against people building wealth and it's part of what i do but there are people who build it who have a never-ending hole that they're trying to fill with the wrong things yeah and the further they go, and then some of them are in corporate life that sell their soul, you know, they spend 60, 70, 90 hour weeks. They have a family who was part of the stepladder. But, you know, when they then look back on their life, they go, well, I've had, you know, the past decade, I've had no connection with my kids because all I've done been the beck and call of those people above me. And working hours and hours and hours and hours. I'm estranged from my wife. I'm estranged from my kids. Um, and I, I, I'm not satisfied. Yes, I've got the lap of luxury. I've got the McMansion. I've got this. I've got that. I've got 15 investment properties. But I've got nothing. Yeah. Amazing, right? Yeah. So relationships is a big part of who you are and what you do and how you live. I also know that through your business journey, you've had a number of relationships with people who promise the world and, and delivered the opposite. So rather than going into the story around the things that transpired, maybe share how you now look at relationships in your personal life and your business life as a result of experiencing these connections with people who who didn't have your best interests at heart? Yeah. Oh, look, if I'm honest with myself, I've had three significant business relationships in my time, all that have not ended well. And if I'm honest with why I took those business relationships is because I felt there was something missing in me that they would fill that gap yeah. to help me take that next step. Um, and they say insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. You know, I mean, part of um, 
my strength and potential weakness is um, the ability to take people on face value that if you're going to do something and we're on a journey together that it's going to have a common benefit for both of us, not just for that that particular person. And that when you're going to tell me things that you're going to be honest with me and you're not going to, you know, try and manipulate um, words. Um, and the, the key that I've realised is that Part of part of my um, being involved with these people is I believe that I as a, I was not whole to be able to take that step. So I needed someone to be there to help me on that journey. And there were elements that I had that they didn't have, and collectively we could we could achieve that. Hmm. Um, Which is still an okay way of looking at it, as long as as you described, you're not doing it to fill a hole, but it's actually somewhere where it's mutually beneficial. So, again, if you apply that to to personal life, how have you how have you been able to grow through that and and really take your relationships to another level? Well, first, I guess, was recognizing um, why I was doing what I was doing. Yeah, beautiful, and. That's only unfortunately been in the last couple of years that that realization has happened. Um, um, fortunately, because it could have been before, but fortunately, because it could have been much later, right? Yeah, true, true. You've got to, yeah, you, you have these journeys. Um, and, you know, the key is to celebrate your wins and, you know, assess your losses. Um, you know, because if you fall into the, the depths every time you, you stumble, then, you know, it, it's going to be a very, very long journey and you've just got to dust yourself off. And that's the other thing too. And, mm. um, you know, failure is going to happen in people's lives. Yeah. Right? And failure is, you know, failure of a relationship, failure of a business. The question comes down to do you throw your hands in the air and allow that failure to consume you or do you assess yourself, dust yourself off and, 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 and move forward. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, um, with the things that have happened more recently is I was, you know, taking a path with someone else and some of the decisions were made out of um, perceived desperation. And um, the truth is that that's been a big learning for myself is no matter how desperate the situation, you don't take the easiest path. You've got to make sure that you can move forward with something that you, you know, is not, oh, okay, look, this is, the, you know, this is this shiny object. Shiny object, you know, yeah. you know promises of, of gold and riches, you know, um, where, you know, and again, we all learn our lessons in different times of our life and we all grow in different ways. Now, some people aren't going to have some of the revelations that you and I have had, you know, for, for whatever reason. And, you know, we are like everything. Um, it's not happily ever after. It's a work in progress. 
Our marriages are a perfect example. Our relationships with our kids. Just because you have a falling out with your kids doesn't mean that's the way it's going to be forever. Yeah. You know, if you have a fall, if you have a if you have a disagreement with your wife, doesn't mean that's the end of, end of the road. And yeah. and when you get married, it's not happily ever after. It's the work is 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 a constant. You've got to constantly work on your relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And it comes down to something you said before. You've got to be prepared. You've got to be prepared to get in there and do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So if you had the opportunity to to share a message with the world to make improvements, what would you talk about? Good question. <laughs> um, I guess you're not going to be able to fix every relationship, but don't allow a relationship, especially with family, to decay. You know, reach out and, you know, if you keep getting slapped down, then it gets to a point where you go, okay, well, that's, you know, I've got to, I've got to let that go. But just because some harsh words were sent in the past doesn't mean that you can't go back and see if you can re you know rekindle or reconnect with that person because we all grow and we all change and we're constantly changing yes that our base element may may have a, a template that doesn't change very much but there are elements of growth and development that we we all have and sometimes that reaching out, because sometimes people are embarrassed to reconnect and not reconnecting um, could be a regret for both parties. Yeah. And, and, and even, it, sorry, keep going. Well, I was going to say, I mean, look, it's, it's that fear of rejection or it's that, you know, again, it's holding that anger about that person and, and that anger is it sits in that pit. And again, it's drinking that poison to wish that, uh, that other person ill. Yeah, doesn't do either party any good. No. Um, and even even like if we get silence from other people, it's just knowing that they could be working through something that no one has any idea about because they're going through it alone. And I think that's probably pretty uh, relevant at the moment is as we go through some of the most strangest days in our lives, people are dealing with stuff and, and just don't be too quick to judge and and cast aspersions about what people are up to. They're, they're, if they're appearing in a way that's less than their best, they're going through something. And yep. it's just about giving them some compassion and, as you said, trying to continue to, to build those relationships best we can. That's really cool, Stuart. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else you wanted to share about you, business, Anything before we wrap it up? Um, don't be afraid to try things. Um, I've seen a very interesting one. Um, you might have a passion that you suck at, but give it a go anyway. You know, and don't sit there with an idea and not take some action with it 
because you just never know where that will lead to. Be it be it as simple as, oh, it's, you know, I don't want to go and catch up with such and such. But catching up with that person or, or going and trying something new could open you to, you know, um, wonderful experiences. Yeah. And life is life is all about experiences. You know, you do you want to live a, a life of regret or a life? And everyone's going to have regrets. Okay, we all do stupid things and we all have our moments. But isn't it better to have had? Look, I've lived my life and I've tried all these different things and I've I've gone out there and hey, look, some things weren't great, but you know, it's been a hell of a ride. And you know, just going, you know, let's give that a go. Because some of the t- some of the time, some of the people who love us um, the most are going to be our biggest anchor or our biggest block. Or why do you want to go and start a business? You're just going to fail. Ninety five percent of all businesses fail in the first five years. That's not true. <laughs> the problem is, you get if you get into the nitty gritty statistics, some businesses are set up specifically for a period of time. You know. And it's all lumped into if you try this, you are going to fail. The thing is, part of life is you are going to fail. We can't go through life and not have things not work for us. And if you have a life where everything works perfectly, then that's fantastic and all the power to you in the world. But if you're honest, you haven't taken risk. You haven't got yourself out there on limbs, you know. Yeah. And, and and it's not necessarily, oh, I'm going to go and start a business tomorrow. I'll be, hey, I'm going to go and do a yoga class. I'll go and do this. I'll go, I'll go and try something new. And, you know, if you've got, if you're in a relationship and, you know, you want to be in a relationship with someone professionally or personally who is going to help hold you up and not hold you down. Yeah. You know, I love it. And and if you're doing something different and they don't like it, the question is, is it about you or is it about them? Because sometimes if they're they're not happy about it, it's because it's it's challenging them to do something. So part of part of my aim with my business is to build continue to build my business to a point where I can allow Judith, my wife, to pursue her passions. Awesome. And and that's you know that's part of my aim is is to allow her now that passion she's you know she's a brilliant um, dressmaker she does yeah you know, these these beautiful dolls clothes and it's a passion of hers and she knits and does all these wonderful things um, but part of it is to free up her time so she spends less time in in my business which she's really great at doing but it's not her passion. Love it. To allow her to pursue that so that she can have that fulfillment. You know, we've just recently renovated her her sewing table, uh, sewing room, right? So that she can have that have that space, that the Zen den for her. And 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 it really is. It's about getting out and trying new things and, and supporting and lifting up other people. Yeah. Mate, I love that. I'm glad uh, you included that at the end. Um talking about passions that people suck at it reminded me of my golf i love it but (laughs) (laughs) we should play someday because i suck at it as well i have a i have a good laugh and i think i upset some people because i'm really bad (laughs) (laughs) 
um, yeah, and I, and I know that while that's the end goal for you and Judith, it's also, as you said early on, it's not waiting till later. You're creating that stuff now yeah. while you can, while it's important, and whatever unfolds for that as a result. Um, yeah, amazing. Um, thank you, uh, Shane, Sonia, Charlie, um, for being on here live. Um, yeah, and trust and have faith. That's right. We have to put our, our trust and faith in something towards the future, whether you believe in a God, a higher power, uh, the universe, whatever. We have to put our faith somewhere. So I love that, Sonia. And um, Charlie, glad to hear that that advice that Stu was giving has hit you just at the right time, mate. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, yeah, it was a really powerful and um, positive message. Awesome. Stu, I, yeah. I didn't really know where this was going to go. Um, we didn't really get into the nitty gritty of the business, but I think that made for a better chat because we talked about you and, and what's real for you. And um, there were some stories there that, that uh, really hit home for me. And I'm sure for many people listening and watching would have taken some great lessons out of that. So thanks heaps, mate. I appreciate it. No, that's all right. Appreciate, appreciate the invitation. Really appreciate the time. And yeah, look, yeah, get out there, give things a go. And yeah, thank you. Awesome, mate. See you everyone next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code and remember so that i can help even more people to heal please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform